Hello everybody, my name is David Keck and this is Surviving Abuse Podcast. I'm really excited about the guest that we have today, and she has a wonderful story for us. And just a reminder, guys, there are trigger warnings throughout this whole show, regardless of the episode, but I do like to throw that reminder out there. But we usually end on a positive note, and I think today is going to be one of those brilliant, brilliant stories where we end on something positive to to restore hope and faith and all that good stuff. So, Antia, thank you for being here with us today. Hey, David. You are going to be sharing a story with us, and I'm very excited to hear about it. There's only a few topics that we haven't discussed because your journey started as a child. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I grew up in Eastern Germany. For those who want to uncover my uh, my accent, so to say, you know, I live now. I've been now living in the US for 16 years, but I grew up to an emotionally like abusive, narcissistic and unavailable mother. And, uh, you know, I told you a little bit before, David, right? Like, I mean, it started just, quote unquote, harmless with just, I wanted to crawl into my mom's bed when I was one and a half years old. And she would just roll over and say, which means don't bother me. Um, However, later on, it started to even translate into making fun of me when I was in pain, calling me a drama queen, that it even led up to the point where I had to admit myself to the hospital because I felt something didn't feel right in my lower abdominal when I was a teenager. And lo and behold, I was about to have like an appendix rupture. So if I would have listened to my mom, you know, I don't know if we would be here today. Right. So, and then being called again, like, if you must go to the doctor and she was like rolling her eyes and and How so, how old were you when you had the appendicitis? That was when I was 15. Were you driving then? No, I was biking myself to like, I mean, I was like slightly in pain. So I was biking myself to, I had a bicycle and I was biking to the doctor, which luckily was across the hospital. So, I mean, you know what I mean? God sometimes has a good way of, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because I, I had to have my appendix removed as well. So, you know, like a lot of us have. But you can't explain how painful it is until you experience it. And I know that even like when, when I was on my way to the emergency room going over railroad tracks, I thought was, I thought that was going to be the end of me. 
And so to hear that at 15 years old, you were biking yourself mm-hmm. with your appendix doing whatever it does. <laughs> yeah. to, wow. You know, that, that does show that God was on your side, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and to just really understand for the listeners for like, what does that mean to grow up with a narcissistic parent? It's, you know, it's so crazy. It's like you start to question your own reality, right? You're like, am I just making this up? Am I a drama queen? Right? Like, it's like, am I just, you know what I mean? Should I just chill out and take a Tylenol and aspirin or whatever it is, right? Like, and just like call it a day. Probably just, then you just, you start to just really give all of your power away, right? And you're like, you kind of disappear more and more into the reality of the narcissist parent or partner, right? A lot of women I worked with have a narcissistic partner and they to the point that you know they don't even know who they are anymore right like who who am I am I in pain I don't know am I making this up I don't know that's one of the the tough things about love right is when you love especially as a child when when you love and trust someone so much and they're telling you to that you're not important or you're not you know relevant or you're a drama queen it's hard to not believe them because that is who you love and you trust you know you consider your source and that's your mother you're supposed to be able to trust and believe but this is also a good sign because a thing that i like to promote is for people to be aware of what their body is trying to tell them Mm -hmm. so the fact that you were like you know should I take a Tylenol and then, and then realizing quickly that no, 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 that this is more than that. And Mm -hmm. so, so that that's a perfect example of listening to your body talk to you. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think I always say environment trumps willpower, right? So right after I graduated from high school, I got myself out of Germany. I mean, I also got myself out of Germany because of course, as you can imagine, the kind of men that I attracted, were also incongruent because I was totally confused inside of myself, right? So I would attract men who are uh, were swinging either from sort of almost like bipolar, like kind of a little bit like you're the sweetest girl on the planet and then swinging to like becoming this monster, mm-hmm. right? Or being outright, like just emotionally unavailable. So I was like, you know what? I got to get myself out of this environment, like completely out of it, right? And redefine uh, myself basically, Right. Um, and so that's when I left Germany, got myself into us, into UC Berkeley. And first of all, uh, we were talking about mental health before, right? Like got myself into UC Berkeley to study psychology and understanding. So how does that all happen? Right? Like I learned about attachment styles, which of course I never got attuned to by my primary caregiver and like how to really come back to myself because I was so other focused, which I'm sure you relate to. David, right? Like just focusing on other people and how they perceived me. And right. you know what I mean? If they liked me or if they were right, like, but it was never about, I was good. I was like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I don't need anything. Right. I didn't even right. know what I needed. <laughs> right. Right. Because you, we start to get, well, I, I don't want to say we, because one thing that I have always said is my attack happened at, when I was 34 years old. I didn't suffer from childhood trauma. 
And But listening to people who have suffered from childhood trauma, I would take it in my adult life any day because those crucial years, you know, with, with, with these people that have went through childhood abuse, the, those detrimental years, it's going to kind of mold you and teach you and train you. And, and it's so nice to hear, you know, that there are, that there is hope out there that people can gain back that control, you know, because it's such a dark, scary place. And you had even mentioned how you were attracting the wrong people. And, you know, and that is so common for people that are, that suffer from abuse. I don't, I don't know if it, I don't, I don't know what it is. Do you have, do you have any training or background on that? How it is that, the two negatives connect like, I mean, we almost magnetize each other, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, it's because we actually think how our parent loved us. So that was the blueprint. That's what love is. So unconsciously, we will be drawn. You can you could throw that, that person into a room of like 99 incredible guys. And one guy is the guy who has like the same traits like the mom. And she will be attracted. I work with women, right? And she will be attracted to that guy. That's the guy that she's going to seek out because he's going to make her feel like, oh, she's not getting the whole enchilada and she's kind of breadcrumbing and she's not really getting his attention. And then the men that are actually giving her the attention, that are calling her, respecting her, right? Investing in her, like, yeah, they're nice, you know, but I'm not really... I'm not really feeling it, right? I'm not really attracted to them. They're not really hot. Hot is also like such a interesting term, right? Because it's <laughs> you know, it's like yeah, because there's not this tension inside of herself that she remembers from her childhood, right? And so that's also. And then the other piece is because we couldn't out turn our parent around when we were little, because the little child's always like, it's about me. I can take it on. I can change mom. She probably just has a bad day. I probably just made the wrong dinner. I mean, a child makes it about herself or himself, right? And so then what happens is they say, okay, you know what? I couldn't change my parent, but I'm just going to project my parent onto my partner. And it's going to be that kind of partner that looks very similar to my parent because then I can turn them around because I couldn't live with my parents. So I want to do it with my partner. And that's how women end up in abusive Mm-hmm. relationships right where they're like oh i deserve it i need to learn to be more patient with him and i need to learn to be more this and that um until i like no but you need to learn to literally just say my man knows my man respects me from day one my man you know what i mean i feel confident in the presence of my man versus i feel insecure and on eggshells and inadequate when i'm with my man does that make sense? One hundred percent. So, so as soon as you were able to leave Germany and come to the states, is what mm-hmm. you did. Mm-hmm. Did did when when you got here? Like how how long did it take you to figure out that way of okay? I can retrain my thoughts. I can. I can. I don't really like the term "fix myself," but. Yeah. You know, but but when when did that process happen for you? When did that that switch come on for you to to take that control back? Yeah. So so luckily for me, we haven't talked about my dad. He was very heavily involved in personal development, uh-huh. um, and so he gave me my first Tony Robbins book when I was fifteen. But you know, even though I learned about Tony Robbins and personal development and things like that, right? Personal power. 
you know, as a teenager, you don't really do what your parents want you to do, right? They're like, okay, well, that's nice. I'll read a couple of pages. And I'm like, oh, dad, because then it's like, that's my girl. That's what I want you to do. And like, no, we don't want to do that when we're teenagers. But I feel like, no, we got to like oppose the parents, right. you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> so, but the good thing is that everything came back when I left Germany, because then there was no longer sort of somebody hovering over me and being like, oh, yes, you're doing exactly what I told you to do. So I could deliberately actually say, so what was that again with that like personal power and and what you think is who you become and, and all those things, right? So then I started to actually actualize what I had originally had a couple of seats um, when I was 15, 16 years old. Wow. Wow. So when, so tell us about college and come to the States because that, that transition alone, plus the, the baggage you were attempting to try to leave behind like how did that how did that work out I just I I envy that in people I have not been able to do that as much as I've wanted to and then now I'm like man now I'm too old to do anything I feel like you know as far as 34 (laughs) well no 34 was when my attack happened I'm in my 40s now but (laughs) but now it's like you know I, I don't know that I could just uproot myself and so when I hear of these stories like yours of someone saying I've not moved across state, let alone across the world. <laughs> yeah. I think for me personally, I knew when I was 10 because my parents got divorced when I was 11. And so in Germany, kids have to go to a psychologist because they want to make sure the mental health of the kids is intact, right? Because it's obviously highly traumatic when the parents get divorced. And I remember I told my psychologist, I'm like, I'm, I'm leaving, I'm getting out of here. You know what I mean? Like, so I, you know, so I studied different languages. I was an exchange student in France and England, and I did a project in Spain. So in other words, like whenever there was an opportunity to leave, I was gone. So for me, the jump, even though it was like a smaller jump, cause it's still within Europe, right? I mean, the U.S. was like a total culture shock (laughs) for me. But in a way, you know, there was already like a little bit of muscle there. That was like, okay, like a little bit different language, like a little bit different culture, definitely away from home. I was never attached to my home. So that was like, that actually served me really well. And then in terms of like personal, yeah, actually just really letting go of like that somebody can control my life, but that I am actually in control of my own life. So I started to enroll into like Toastmasters International. And, you know, because they said, if you want to learn leadership skills, learn public speaking, right? Because you learn how to, your body language and how to phrase things and how to relate to yourself and how to influence. I'm like, oh, that's perfect. Especially because I got like a D in my last exam in Germany because I froze. I, I, public speaking was like, horrible horrible idea for me the fear of being seen of coming from a narcissist right so again you'll see that uh, children of narcissists will carry this fear to be seen because they get so ridiculed by their parent when they're when they are visible because the parents like excuse me it's all about me it's all about me right so it's like not it's not about you so, so as soon as it's about you, like you get shamed. So you have a very negative association to it. So I did, I did like the unthinkable <laughs> as a child of a narcissist, which is like, I'm going to do, I'm going to do public speaking and I'm facing all of that. Right. 
And then from there was just like lots of workshops, seminars, uh, you know, understanding men, forgiving men. I never realized my mom taught me how to disrespect men at the highest level. You know, there's all those like little commentaries and uh, we, we don't, we don't catch that. Right. Cause we're like, we grew up like, then we're like, oh mom, she was just joking. Mm. And like, no, 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 no. She, she knew what she was doing. She had like high levels of resentment towards men. So yeah. Yeah. It's so, I don't have children. And so it amazes me how the smallest things can stick. And I um, have this thing that I do with all of the kids in my life because I'm at the age where all of my friends are having kids and I've got, you know, four nephews. And so I always do the I love you sign language sign to them. Mm. And one of them, four years old, was on their way to school with their mom and had her mom take a picture of her sending me the I love you sign, you know, just randomly one day. And I, and so it just amazes me how things stick. And luckily that's a positive thing to stick. If that's what she's thinking about on her way to school, then then uncle David's done his job, you know, like that, that's great. But all those negative things that people sometimes just throw out in conversation, not realizing that the child does hear it. They might not understand every word coming out of your mouth, but they can tell by the tone what you're meaning and it sticks and we're mm-hmm. teaching them. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah, so exactly. it, it, it's such a beautiful thing, but it's such a scary thing too. If, if it's the wrong hands doing it. Absolutely. Yeah. And like I said, it becomes unconscious. So a lot of my clients that I work with, sometimes I just read them statements. So it kind of jogs their brain because they would never, I'd be like, Hey, what was the statement that you want? I don't know. But when I read statements to them, right. They're like, yes, 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 yes. Right. Like, Oh my gosh, everything is coming to the surface. Right. And everything that they have associated with it and all the stories and all the images and all everything is coming back to the surface. Right. Because like the brain deletes and distorts and generalizes. So we always have to account for that mm-hmm. for sure. You know, that brain can only, you know, process so much at any given time. Yeah. I am definitely an advocate of therapy. I always say that even the best therapists need a therapist. Absolutely. And, right. And I, I go to sexual assault group therapy every Monday and it say it has saved my life. You know, those guys in there are my brothers. And so I, I definitely am an advocate for that. And I, I'm very impressed and a little jealous that Germany has children coming from broken homes, has them go into therapy. Like, I think that's a brilliant thing. I come from a divorced family. My family divorced uh, when I was three. So I don't really know my mom and dad ever be together. Right. But there's a lot of things that were happening and, and I wish that that's what we did here. So how, how did you feel about it then? And now in your adult life, looking back on it, how, how do you feel about that as far as therapy at that age for for uh, children going through a divorce with or a broken home? Yeah, that's a good question. I think it was really interesting because we had to, you know, we had to kind of show where we feel like our parents are. So we had to have like some stick figures and then see. So there was like, there was just like some awareness that was brought to us, you know, um, you know, some things help more than others. And we had to do some color therapy and things like that. Right. Like just coloring because they just wanted to see like what, how, how, what relationship does the child have to the mom versus to the dad and how does the child see 
like how the relationship that the parents have to each other, you know, and so like how much distance is there, things like that. Right. And I'm sure what they were really looking out for is like mostly probably depression is my guess. Right. And like any massive trauma. But yeah, I mean, you know, it's it was it was so good at, as long as it lasted, but it was definitely also limited, which is why I'm so passionate about psychology and really integrating it. So for example, I never felt like I got like attuned to, you know what I mean? It was more like just going through the motions. Okay. This is the exercise we're doing today. Okay. We're going to do that. And, but they weren't picking up on like, Oh, I noticed you were just hesitant or I noticed you were just kind of freezing and you're just going into in a survival response, right? Like, or you just got triggered, like what happens? So that never happened. It was just, okay, we're going to do this. Okay, cool. Here are your colors or, you know, here's the little figures you know, just set it up to the best of your abilities. Gotcha. Yeah. After being choked, assaulted, and threatened with a knife, I, Ashley Michelle, spent the next several years trying to deal with the depression, anxiety, and PTSD from my trauma, turning all of my knowledge into an online course that has helped hundreds of people with a process that moved them away from any traumatic situation so that they could start to live a life of happiness and success. The course is called Healing from Trauma. My course can be found at ashleyinspires.com. I look forward to inspiring and enriching as many lives as I possibly can with this course. Please go on my website today, purchase the course, and get a free copy of my ebook. Hi, this is Ashley from ashleyfraney.com. Have you ever thought about meditating or maybe you've tried meditating and found it to be unsuccessful? Well, my new mini course, How to Meditate, can help. It completely demystifies meditation, answering all of your questions about the goal of meditation, as well as some tips and tricks for how to make it a successful meditation. Please head over to www.ashleyfraney.com. That is www.ashleyfraney.com. Go to online courses and sign up there. It is on pre-sale right now and will go live on May 1st. I I feel like 2020 and 2021 has really brought awareness to mental health. And because I know growing up, it it wasn't something that we talked about, Mm -hmm. you know, like that we would never think several years ago that it would be okay to have a podcast about talking about trauma and abuse. And, and I always try to find the positive in things. And the only positive I can really find (laughs) with this COVID era is the, is the awareness that it's brought with mental health. Do you, do you, have you found that too in your line of work? Well, what I found is uh, actually we had most amount of women end up with their men in 2020 and 2021. And I think part of it is because there's more commitment to personal growth because it's almost like I have to, right? Because otherwise I do get depressed if I just watch TV, you know, I do get depressed if I just listen to my fearful neighbor, because I can just listen to it for so much because it's sort of like the same narrative that plays out for months. Right. 
So it's like, okay, got it. I got the basics. I know what's going on, right? Now I want to get back into like hope and optimism and what else is there for my life and vision. So that's why like coaches have taken off like like crazy in 2020 and 2021 because people are like making that the highest priority over like buying the new Mercedes. Traveling's out of the, you know, out of the question anyway. So that's good. So saving some money right there. But then also for for the men that my women were they were that were running and they were having of course their own trauma response from their childhoods and they would fly all over the world or they would be at a golf course and now they couldn't do that anymore right so like more quality men were actually doing the work because well they were at home they had to face themselves right they had to finally work through the traumas that they that they, hey, if I don't have to work through it, I will work through it, right? If I can drink myself through it, but all everything is closed, bars, restaurants. So you can only have so many beers by yourself, I guess. Um, you know, until <laughs> so it's like not really that interesting. And same thing, right? So everybody has like this urgency. And then the third piece is, David, I think we're not taking things for granted anymore. We're not saying, oh, I'll do that next year. Really? Do you know that you're going to have that opportunity next year? Do you, do you know what new restrictions are going to be in your life next year? You don't know, you know? So people start to live more in the moment. And that's what I also see. So I actually think it's like fantastic how much momentum um, this era has provided for humanity to accelerate their growth and evolution. Yeah, absolutely. So you had mentioned beer and drinking alone, and that was one of the questions um, I had for you is I find that what is common with a lot of people that have went through such trauma or, you know, abuse that they turn to drugs and alcohol. Yeah. And what, what do you think helped keep you from that? Uh, so good because my dad always said he is amazed how I didn't get into any of this despite of what happened in the household, right? And I think um, part of it is, I mean, I had very serious acne, like really the worst case scenario. I My whole face was like a crust. And so again, I was forced to focus more on like personal development because I couldn't go out because little kids would always say, dad, what is, what's happening with this woman? You know, what's in her face? And so there was this constant, I was also working from a very young age on. So I was like really busy. And like, and like I said, David, for me, it was more about like, how can I get out of here? How fast can I get independent? How much money can I make? So it wasn't so much about like, it was probably more like about running away, but in a different way rather than suppressing it. And, um, you know, I drank for a little bit, but I just, first of all, I hate alcohol. Like it just, like, I just, the taste and I just was lucky that way, <laughs> you know? And I was like, uh, I definitely had opportunities to get into harder stuff. And, but I'm like, you know, my dad always taught us like some principles, like ethics and morals. And for some reason, I mean, we don't know what the reason is because my brother turned out differently. Right. But like, for some reason, it really stuck with me combined with all the personal development that I did early on because I had only my internal, you know, development because externally as a teenager, there was nothing to focus on, you know? I mean, I even gained weight because I had to take all those medications for my skin and nothing helped. And then they gave me hormones and that was even worse. So just outside wise, just not a great idea. And maybe that's also why I wasn't so much in like bars because I'm like, you know, 
I'm like 30 pounds heavier than a normal person would be at my age and all those things. So I think like a lot of components yeah. came together. And I do believe in, in God's grace too, you know, like there's there's a component that God saved me in a way, you know, like this. And yeah, everything I got instilled by my dad for sure. Oh, wow. Well, I can relate to that. But total sidebar, since no one can see you, you know, and they're just listening to this interview, I would never think that there was ever a blemish on your skin. Your skin is flawless. You're such a beautiful lady. So so the minute you were like talking about having bad skin when you were younger, I was like, what? There's no way you've ever had a flaw. (laughs) I know, right? It's like, yeah. I know, I know. It's like, you know, and I think um, that's why I think it was soul driven because it totally cleared when I was like 18, 19, right? And then just really, you know, it was really like, yeah, it was almost like this incubation that was like, no, you're going to incubate. You're not going to focus on what makeup to put on and all the superficialities and how can you be sexy for the man because there was no point for me, you know? So, so I never focused on that. And I think in a way, it was protection. You know, my skin really protected me. And I was, I really believe now, you know, I've been helping thousands of single women all over the world to attract the right man to work through their traumas, like coming from this background I described to you. I would never be able to do that if I hadn't gone through that soul deep dive at like such a young age and valuing coaching and mentoring and like going deep into psychology at such a level, you know, I would have been like, I want to become a business person. I'm going to make a lot of money. I'm going to go to wall street, you know, every, but, but every, what all my other friends did. Right. right. But because I had gone through that, I, I had like no interest in that. I, I was deeply interested into people and, and how they tick yeah. and yeah. what their fears are and their pains are and so on. I I just, I, I could probably sit and listen to you talk all day long. And one thing that I found that is common when I ask people certain questions, you know, like I just asked you, what do you think kept you away from the alcohol and uh, the drug abuse? And the answer pretty much in a nutshell was goals. You already had set goals for yourself and having alcohol and drugs playing to a factor was going to completely send your goals through the the wrong turn. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when, when I hear those answers like yours, it makes me think back on, you know, my life where I was in my attack, Uh, you know, I was an adult, I was finishing up with school. I was, I had went back to college and was in college at the time. And, you know, and, and it really stopped my, my whole life plan that I had and what well, put it on hold is what I should say. And, but, but as soon as I got to where I could to, to make goals and set goals and to have them visible to me, I write things down. If you walked into the bathroom that I don't let anyone see, it's my personal bathroom. It's always clean, but it's got post-it notes everywhere. Because I want to, while I'm brushing my teeth, I want to remind myself that I'm beautiful. I want to remind myself that I deserved to wake up today and that it was a blessing to wake up today. And so I always like, when I hear like these little random quotes, I have them all over my bathroom to where when I'm getting ready in the mornings, I'm reminding myself of all these great things. And when I go start out, start my car to leave for work, that's what 
that's the foundation for my day. And that's what helps me. And so, so I, you know, always want to throw out there and remind people to set goals, you know, and, and, and to work toward them. You deserve it. And you being a prime example of, of what happens when you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. And it's, it's like, and I think a lot had to do with, because that's what my women do too, right? They experience so much pain that because they were reaching out so much and not getting their needs met, they said, okay, fine, then I don't need anyone. So even though it was serving me at the time, right? Because I was actually becoming independent and making sure I don't need anyone. So guess what? Like I'm driven to make my own money, right? Because I don't want to go to my parents and be like, can I please have this brand of jeans and having to justify what this pair of shoes is, you know, you know how it is after this peer pressure. And, and I'm like, I don't want to have to like count to anyone and need anyone. So that was actually serving me really well because it turned me into a driver, but it disassociated me too, you know? So it, like it served me well in that, in that time. And then I had to also realize, like, where am I pushing people away? Because I'm almost like, I don't really, I don't really need you. Like, I'm, I'm good, you know. Like, I'm, I'm taking care of myself, you know. Right. Um, and then even losing touch with my own needs altogether, you know. When did, so so with you coming as far as you have in your life and your career, you know, I'm sure I know that like. Every every time I record an episode, I feel like I'm in therapy again. I always learn something new. Everybody is such an inspiration, you know. And so I'm sure with your line of work and talking to different people, I'm sure you get inspired all the time. But there, I'm sure there could also be times that maybe you're triggered. Do you still get triggers? Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, uh, I've been married for, for like almost eight years now to my incredible husband and we do a whole shadow ceremony every year right because we have triggers inside of ourselves that trigger shame that trigger a sense of inadequacy right and uh, and and then the responses could be anger it could be like you're just really annoyed or you're really exploding like what just happened why did you just do that well i feel not good enough when i'm facing this or you know or now i have like a big youtube channel and so Oh, super occasionally I will attract someone in who sounds a little bit like my mom, right? Like, oh, your your high-pitched voice, like, you know, that's a little too much. Can you tone it down? And so I'm like, oh, interesting, right? There's still like some residuals of those like little stories, but I call them like more reminders, like trigger some more reminders. What was suppressed inside of yourself? I'm like, oh, I didn't realize. I still had that part inside of myself. Yeah, that's one thing that my mom would always say, like, oh, Auntie, do you have to sing again? And do you have to do all this again? Right? I'm like, of course I attract a comment like that on my YouTube channel. Right. And and it's the stance, David, because you know, you can say, well, then I'm just not gonna grow because then less people see it and then less people can react to it, and less people, you know, and I can be less triggered, or I can be just like, oh, okay, that's like the next step you know, that creates a massive amount of momentum for me when I hear for that and, and grow even more, right. To show all the other people who are watching, like who are listening to the podcast we're just recording right now, who are like inspired. Yeah. I shouldn't run away from it. I should be, I should face it head on because there's always going to be something that somebody is not going to like about us. I hate to tell you that no matter how many affirmations they do, there's going to be people that are not going to like you. Exactly. Or they're going to be triggered by you. <laughs> right, right. I try to remind myself that what other people think of me is none of my business. 
Totally. You know, hundred percent. Yeah. And, and another thing that I like to say too, and, and to remind myself of is it's okay to visit those dark places because they're there for a reason. Mm-hmm. Just don't unpack your suitcase and live there. That's when it gets dangerous. Absolutely. Yeah. So when, when, when you for yourself, when you when you're coming across these triggers and and with the women that you work with, when when they experience the triggers, what advice do you have or what techniques do you use even for yourself to to visit those but not live there and let them overwhelm you? Yeah. I mean, I really believe in embodiment and really processing it, like really screaming into the pillow immediately, right? Because You cannot reason when your system is flooded with like, you know, fight or flight, right? Like you're in your sympathetic nervous system response, a hyper uh, reactive, like you can't say, okay, wait, so what was that again? No, 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 no. Like, first of all, you have to acknowledge the emotion that's there, right? You're pissed right now, or you're angry right now, right? Or you're really sad right now. So first of all, it's like really associating to the emotion. And actually saying, how did that, wow, when I saw that comment on YouTube, let's say, that was like another comment, I, I forgot what it was, but something like that, right? I'd be like, wow, first of all, I want to say, what a bitch, who does she think she is, right? So I'm screaming into my pillow, then it's going to move into tears because that reminds me of my childhood, feeling rejected, right? Like I put so much work into my video and here's this woman, like I will never, you know, be liked and... So then there's a little girl that comes out, right? So when you start processing, it's like, it's not you, the adult, but it's a little girl that like, you know, that was crying in the room when, you know, when she had an argument with the mom or the dad or whatever it is, right? And then like really finding a way to acknowledge her, right? Like I can, I say sometimes you can imagine like maybe like one of your favorite childhood heroes comes down from space you know it could be a fairy godmother could be whatever whatever uh was maybe there was like a tv a comic figure like something where you're like you know what if they whatever they would tell me back then i would believe that because i was actually looking up to that figure right so just always like acknowledging her versus saying oh it's not really that and just shut up and just be quiet and it's you know it's not a big deal we're adults now no 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 no. like you want to take it seriously right because then the gift from that is creativity. So then you're like, wow, what's a new way of relating to it, right? And then in this case, what I ended up doing, David, I actually took the whole screenshot and I posted my Facebook group. And I said, look, this is this is why we're not expressing ourselves. This is what we're freaking afraid of, right? And then women were like, what's your name? I'm going to teach her a lesson. I was like, no, 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 no. She was triggered herself. Mm-hmm. Like, no, don't teach her a lesson, right? So it's like you're gonna get you're gonna get the lesson at the end as well, right? Which, which I call the gold. In every shadow, there's gold. So I'm always like, wow, I can't wait to see what that gold is all about of this opportunity that just presented itself. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to ask you when when you moved to the States and you said you've been married now for eight years. Did 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 you have abusive romantic relationships at once you started? Because I know that you had said that you know you had went through all that with your mom, and you came to the states, but then you were kind of battling yourself on well, I don't need anybody, so there was this wall. Mm -hmm. So when you started breaking down that wall, did you find yourself in situations that maybe? were not uh, that were not healthy but you were able to recognize quicker yeah I mean I would say for the most part I was definitely going more into avoidance so I was I was single my whole life I wouldn't even go past the first date 
I wouldn't get past it, right? Because I would attract men who are like very spiritual, but not very embodied, right? There was no follow through. There was just like a lot of like poetry or like wishful thinking. I call it the dreamer versus the builder. And so the dreamer has like all those visions and, uh, but there was no follow through, which that was a little bit my dad. Like my dad was like good hearted, but there was a lot of promise and there was no, so I ended up starting to attract my dad. So lived that whole cycle. Right. And then what, what happened, David, I would always swing because I'm like, well, you attract who you're being. So if that's who I'm being right now, then I shouldn't date at all because I should just heal myself. So I would always go into the cycles of like half a year no dating, the other half you're dating or one, like it would literally be like that extreme, right? I would just like exercise and throw myself into workshops and all the things. And then I would be like, okay, now it's time to go on OkCupid again. And then, oh, no, got feedback. (laughs) So I would be, and I don't know if that's like the healthiest approach of all, but I was really focusing on making sure I find this balance between focusing on the right man, bringing that in, but also focusing on myself because, you know, I was like, well, I could just keep dating and just attracting the same guy over and over again. Or I could be like, okay, let's take a break and reassess kind of thing, if that makes sense. Yeah, you know 100%. What I mean? So that's what it was. And then um, and then before I met my husband, so that was eight, nine months before I met my husband, I hired a mentor for myself because he challenged me and he actually said, well, where are you going from here? You know, fish doesn't know that it's wet. You have your back against the wall. You're doing the same thing over and over again. And I know something stuck that year because I met a lot of guys and a lot of opportunities. I was speaking. Remember, I did all my public speaking. So now I was speaking all over California, right? So so I could never say, well, I just have to meet the right person. I'm like, no, I was exposed to great men all the time. And so that was, it was just kind of like the right timing when the mentor came in, right? And it's like, oh, you're right. Like, I'm so frustrated because I'm like, I have all this going on, this going on. My love life is a mess. Yeah. And I really broke through what I call my vulnerability thresholds. So I didn't even realize that I had one foot in and one foot out the door. You know, I didn't realize that I wasn't really setting boundaries without feeling guilty from my mom, right? Or being vulnerable without the fear of weakness. Right, also right. from my mom, because she, of course, abused that immediately, right? If I was like vulnerable or would share something raw, she could turn that right away against me. And that's when I met my husband eight and a half, yeah, eight and a half, nine months later. And he told me right away, I'm the girl of the story. He was very grounded. There was no drama. And it was almost like, it was very different. Yeah. It was a very different feeling. It was not like this, you know, instant chemistry, fireworks, the angels are singing. No, it wasn't like that. <laughs> that that's, that's the same with me and my partner. We've been together a little over four years now. And, you know, he's in the medical field. And I think that helps uh, with, with understanding me. Because when we met, I, you know, my attack was what, two and a half years old. So it was still new. And, and he just, there's just something like you were saying, there wasn't this big angel choir or anything, but there was just something that just worked and felt right. And I felt like I could breathe comfortably and I felt safe and which is such a big word for me to, to feel safe again you know, and for him to be a part of that. So, so I get exactly what you mean. And in the email, your, your picture shows up and it's uh, you and your husband and you all are such a beautiful couple. So, I'm so glad that you all found each other. So 
let's, I would like to take a few minutes for you to tell us about your book and what led you into writing it and, uh, and, and, and where you are with it. Yeah, totally. But this is my book, Magnetize Your Man, and it has, it has 12 chapters in it. So it lines out exactly not only what I needed to learn to attract my man, but what I then also saw what the other women needed as well that came to me over the years to my soulmate support workshops in the beginning. And then of course we had sold out uh, life events, right? But it's really about like understanding the whole magnetize your man method and how to really break through those vulnerability thresholds systematically, right? Not just like as a, oh, that's a nice little concept, but it's like, you know, Germans, they're practical, right? So we're like, you know, we have this like practical angle. That's why the best engineers in the world come from Germany. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So there's like practical tools in here as well. And, you know, people always ask, like, do you have a book? Do you have a book? So we're like, okay, fine. We need to write a book, right? Because we had to, we had all the events, we had all the content, a YouTube channel. And we're like, you know, people love books. So of course we had to write one too. <laughs> right. Well, I uh, would love for you to send me all the links and information to it so I can post it. And so before, before we go, I always like to have a little bit of fun. You know, I, one thing I love about this show is people get really surprised. They think that, Oh, well, I don't know if I'm in the right state of mind to listen to someone's abuse, but I'm like, you know, but we, we talk and we laugh and we share fun things and you get to see like the, the before and after. And those are always my favorite is the before and after, you know? So, so thank you for being a part of that with us. And, but there's one question I like to ask people and it's kind of a fun question. So when there is a lifetime movie about you and your life and your journey and where you've been through and where you're going, who would you find best fitting to play your character? I mean, I, I my favorite is like Sarah Blakely, who is, of course, the founder of Spanx, because because she's because I have a goofy side, too, and she has a goofy side, too. And, you know, and she just doesn't take a no for an answer, right? She carved her own path. And um, and she also was able to, I've actually one talk about, talk about the Sarah Blakely effect because she overcame that fear of failure. Like the same idea we talk about the shadow, right? The shame. And I'm like, what's so great about that? Because I'll experience a lot of that in my life. But the more experience, the faster I can move forward because the fear of it doesn't stop me. So yeah, so I just like love her, adore her. She's a husband, four kids. I mean, just like this whole, the whole enchilada. This woman is like just so crazy and so creative. And like, yeah, I, I no doubt about it, hands down. Like that would be my my go-to. <laughs> I love that. Well, I can't thank you enough for being a part of today. And I, I know that a lot of people are going to benefit from this. I certainly have. And would you care to share your information so we'll all know where to find you and and uh, if you and pronounce your name correctly since I did not? <laughs> oh, no worries, and it's good. Like my name is not in anything because, like, so if you want to find out more about me, you can hop on over to magnetizeyourman.com, or you can also take our free quiz. So if you want to be like, where am I standing with all of this? Because remember. You may not even know because you may be so confused based on everybody else's opinions of you, right? Or maybe your parents' opinions or ex-partners' opinions. So take my free quiz at mymquiz.com. Wow, that's brilliant. I love that. Yeah. I love that. 
And so I guess the last question I have before I let you go and enjoy your evening with your husband is with things being virtual now and with the audience that you're reaching out to is probably global at this point, Absolutely. right? Mm-hmm. So so I guess that, that someone would be able to contact you. They could set up um, meetings and, and with you and all virtually and yeah exactly yeah so we've been Perfect. doing that since 2015 or 16 it's everything is virtual yeah we have women from australia singapore europe i mean you name it you know so wow. absolutely wow i love that well thank you again so much i will be sharing all your links and everything. And, and I always like to tell guests when I have them on that you're not done with me, we're not hanging up and this is over. So because when other books or other journeys come out, I want you to keep us posted because I want to provide an endless amount of resources for my listeners on how to, to help better themselves and and find what works for them because no one's going to have the same path. Absolutely. And on my website, magnetizeyourman.com, the pot, my podcast is on there, my YouTube channel, book links, so all the things when it comes to all the resources that are for free are on that website as well. So Perfect. Well, I'll be sharing that. Well, thank you so much. Enjoy your night. You too. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you all so much for listening to another episode of Surviving Abuse Podcast. Don't forget to like, share, download, and leave reviews. Please, please, please leave reviews in the comment field. It actually helps us more than you realize. And don't forget to check out our podcast uh, website for the best landing page to find all the things, which is survivingabuse.com. Goodbye.